Good to see you guys. Uh, my name's Greg, for those who don't know me. I haven't been around for a while. We've been over in Cobram for 12 months. God's doing some, some great things over in Cobram. Um, we're excited about what he's about to, to do here in Yarrawonga. Um, nothing better than baptisms to start a service. It just moves. It's the heart of God and it moves my heart as well. Welcome to some visitors and welcome. Is Ken behaving himself, is he? Good. Good to see. Good to see um, anyone else who's here as well, we welcome you here. just want to give a couple of, uh, a couple of thoughts about what's a bit of background on what's happening at Cobram. I have shared this bef- before, but I think Karen also said... Is that a little loud? It's okay. Um, Karen said, you know, God's doing a new thing and he wants to actually use each one of us that are here to minister to other people. So I'm going to just share a couple of things. Some people might have heard these stories before, but we've got two scriptures that we're actually focusing on at Cobram. Acts 2.17 says, In the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all people. So no longer is it, as I said before, is it the title of a pastor that is responsible for the ministry to God's people. No longer. God's actually, same in the Old Testament when when Saul was King Saul, he had an anointing on him because of his title. God said, I've got something better than that. I want the heart of David and I want to anoint that. So he's wanting to anoint each of us to actually minister in his name. The other scripture is Romans 12.1.2. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So the invitation today is going to be, am I going to do that? Are you going to choose to partner with God? Or are you going to withdraw and just come to church a little bit, do a little bit of good for him? Or are you going to step out and be radically changed for the glory of God's name? We've got a few people over in, in, our, uh, in our church. If you ever visit Cobram, it's a messy church. It's messy. There's singing, there's yelling, there's screaming, there's crying, there's dancing, there's people calling out. It is messy. But I love it. I love it. God's doing some good things. God is drawing people to the church that don't normally fit into the old church, what we call church. What he's doing is, he's not saying get your act together before you walk in the doors. He's saying come just as you are. Come just as you are. And as our church at Cobram has embraced the vision of connecting with, caring for, investing in and loving others, God's moving. God is moving and drawing people into our church. We're getting people off the streets just walking in going, I'm homeless, I've got a drug issue, I'm an alcoholic. They're coming in and getting a touch of God. They're drawn there. That is a good thing. We're excited, but it's only a start. It's only a start. We know that God's going to pour his spirit out in amazing ways. And that Cobram is, it seems to be Cobram's reasonably central to a lot of places, but people are coming from different parts of the region to actually encounter God. So we're excited about what God is doing. Um, We've got one little, one young girl, just as an example. She's lived... um, had a difficult upbringing and, and had to be taken out of home. She lived with foster parents for a long time. 
uh, had some difficult experiences. She's come back now into the, the home of the family. She's been coming to church. She ha- she's a bit confused. She is a girl who's identifying as a boy. That's, she's just confused. But we've been loving her and, and God's been touching her heart. She rang two weeks ago and said, Greg, I want to get baptised. I mean, praise God that God's moving in people's lives. We've got two women who came to the church. They were in another church, worship leaders. Two women that are broken and damaged and hurting so badly. They actually, during COVID, got married together. Two women married. They were kicked out of the church they were in. Some people here might even go, well, you know, that's not in line with the way God wants us to live. That's true. But that's not our job. That's not our job as the church. Our job is to... So all we're doing is connecting with, caring for, investing in and loving, and letting God do the judging, the saving, and the transforming of a heart. That's the call of the Christians. The church has got it wrong for a long time. And so... They're loving church. They're loving church. We've said, obviously, you can't do upfront ministry. You can't have a lifestyle um, that's not in accordance with the, the way of God, the word of God. You can't do upfront ministry. You can't lead. But you are welcome here. And I said to them, if, if I get, or Kaz and I get any feedback and go, oh, we're not comfortable with that happening. That's not in line with the word of God. I said to them that I would say this. If I was approached and said, we're not really comfortable with that, I would say, I'm sorry, perhaps this church is not for you. So we are putting love, the love of God, ahead of anyone else's preconceived ideas of what God wants to do, because God is moving. Where's Kevin? Kevin over here. The church is using a variety of people to minister to people. Kevin had some challenges at home. Um, Him and his mum didn't get on. He lives in Cobram. All of a sudden, Viv gets involved. Viv goes, we've got a problem. He needs somewhere to to live. So Bruce, Bruce puts his hand up and says, come and live with me for three three or four weeks. Bruce moves to Shepparton, so we've got to find somewhere else for Kevin. He slept in the church for two or three days. We had to find something for Kevin to where to live. Finally, my daughter went... Well, he's got nowhere to go, Dad. What about our place? So Kevin's moved in with us. And now God's moving in his life. He's connecting. He's having encounters with God. He's connecting. So we've committed for him to stay with us for a period of time where we believe God is doing. He started a good work. He's going to bring that to completion in Christ Jesus. So we have to be the hands and feet of God. We can't sit here at church and go... Well done, everyone. Good job. You're doing a great job. God's called each of us to step out and be the hands and feet of Christ. It's going to be a challenging message, but I know that God's got an invitation for everyone here. The church in Australia, um, 1915. On the census, it said that 95% of people called themselves Christians in 1915. We had a recent census, and it's down to 40%. Now, of that 40%, 20% would be Catholic Christians. 
So that means they may not even go to church, but their name-wise, they're Catholic. Then there's, there's half of that again, so would be non-Catholic, would be Protestant. So out of that, they estimate that there is, in Australia at the moment, 2 to 3% born-again, spirit-filled Christians. That's about a million. We had Jeff Hammond, um, who's been ministering, come, come to Cobram, He's been ministering in Indonesia for 50 years. And he said, despite the persecution that the church is under, they now have 20 million Christians in the church of Indonesia. That's 10%. So Australia, if we're not intentional with our Christian walk, we are actually declining in our influence over the people around us. You look at the education system. You look everywhere at the moment. Everything is not godly. There's a battle we're in and unless the Christians rise up and actually be the Christians that God's called them to be, then we're going to keep declining. But God says that this is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. He's got a purpose and a plan and he wants to pour out his spirit and he's going to do that with or without us. Me, I'm on board. I'm on board. God, do whatever you need to do in me to fulfill your purposes in this region, in this area. The invitation is going to be, are you going to get on board? See, Ignite Life Yarrawonga is a good church. It's a really good church. It's with good people doing good things. But I'm not sure that God's actually wanting the Western church to be satisfied with good. He's actually wanting us to be great. He's actually wanting each one of us to be fully to be a living sacrifice and fully committed and lead a life that is full on for God. First Corinthians two nine. No, first Corinthians two nine, yes. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No, mind has conceived what God has in store for those who love him. So there are two aspects of this. Two aspects. One is, God has this amazing... No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind conceived what it's like when we get to heaven. But also, it says in the Word of God, the Lord's Prayer, that let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have potential to have that here on earth. So I'm going to, in a minute, get two people to give a testimony. One, Ken, who when he was on the operating table, died and God took him to heaven. He didn't want to come back, but God had another plan. See, God's got a purpose and a plan for each of us now to reach out and minister to other people. And then Andrew later on is going to share a vision that God gave him and took him to heaven. See, in the last days, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. He's doing it. He's doing it in our lives. See, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, Jesus said to his disciples, it's good that I'm going. It's good that I'm going to heaven because I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. Have we got that slide up there? Thanks, Ryan. 
So the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to help us become more like Jesus. And he does that in three ways. Number one, by comforting and encouraging us. We all need some comfort and some encouragement. There'll be people here today where the Holy Spirit encourages and comforts. He'll also teach and guide us. It says true worshippers are those that worship in spirit and truth. And number three, the one that we like a little less, is the correction and the convicting. I want to encourage you. It's actually the best part of the Holy Spirit, the convicting and correcting. Because it says in the Bible that God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. He wants us to change. He wants to make us into new creations so that we can point people to Jesus. Today, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. Ken, as you come up here, please, and, and share for five minutes and 27 seconds that I've allowed you to. Um, no, Ken's, I love Ken. He's got a heart, a heart for God and a heart for people. So he's going to share now his testimony. You want to sit or stand over here? What do you want to do, mate? Most churches today are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. So you all know what happened on Pentecost Sunday. And, and I see a lot of different nations here today. So, you know, God's got something good. I believe he's rocking this place today. You know, hearing those beautiful songs and seeing people baptised, it's really done something for me and I hope for you. You know... Um, I, I had a wake-up call from Jesus. Uh, during the stay in the Royal Melbourne Hospital, um, I had uh, come in contact with a divine person of Christ, my Saviour, who was crucified, now glorified. And I got to understand his passion, his power, and his love. You know, um, and I still experience that journey. It had a real deep effect on me. And I guess others have had the same experience. So, um, it was a journey that I'd never experienced. So in March 221, uh, I, I had to visit my doctor and uh, I, was, I wasn't feeling great. And uh, he had told me uh, through the scans and everything that I'd had that I had two lesions on my liver and one on my lower back. And I needed to be referred to a specialist. So um, it was done um, very quickly. I was able to see the specialist at the Royal Melbourne Hospital and uh, I was put on an urgent list to have surgery. So in December 2021, uh, uh, on the 22nd, I was flown to the Melbourne uh, because of the COVID. I thought that I'd be only in hospital three or four days. That was the attitude I had. And it turned out to be six weeks. 
I uh, had to face the surgeon and he explained what the procedure would be. And so during the surgery, I found myself in heaven. I came face to face with Jesus. He showed me around where children were dressed in white, uh, playing happily, and it was so beautiful and peaceful. And then he showed me a group of people who were singing, who were singing so powerful and with so much joy. And then he showed me a group of people who were praying earnestly for the lost here. was so beautiful. The music it was just so peaceful. I had never experienced in my life. And Jesus looked at me and he said I'm sending you back. I said what? I'm sending you back. I said oh no you're not. <laughs> and he said well I am but before that I need to talk to you. Well it was very challenging. He said to me, during 1996, you were diagnosed with diabetes and you were told what to do, what to eat and what not to eat and do, not do the things you should do, that you shouldn't do. But you didn't do it. In 2006, I was put on insulin. And again, you were told not to eat this, not to do this, but do this. But you didn't do it. That's why you're here. You need to clean your act up. You need to change your attitude towards the medical system. They're there. They're trained to help you stay well. You have to do what they ask you to do. You need to clean your act up. I had to repent. I was in tears. It still affects me today. Now I'm sending you back. Well, I went back. And the following day I woke up in the ward and... Um, there I came face to face with the surgeon and he had to sit beside me and he said, Ken, we had a really rough time with you and we lost you for seven minutes. Oh, I said, it's the best seven minutes I've ever had. <laughs> he said, what? I said, I went to heaven. And he said, you know what, Ken? I believe you. I've had so many people with similar procedures and things have happened the same. I've heard so many wonderful stories. And uh, he said, you've got to do what I tell you. You want to stay well. So um, it had an effect on the patient next to me. He asked me what he had heard some of the things and he said, Ken, I want to hear the story. So I told him and the next thing he was in tears. He himself said, 
I did not do what I was supposed to do. And he cleaned his act up. Then I had someone who wanted to take my life. And then through all that, I was shifted to a woman's ward and there I was thought I was safe. But he found me. And in this woman's ward, there were three women who uh, were like angels. And uh, in si- the next morning, six o'clock, this guy had found me and wanted to take me out. These three girls jumped on him until the staff arrived. And uh, when he went, they said to me, last night everyone heard you call out in the name of Jesus, get back into bed. He said, they said, who is he? They didn't know. They hadn't even heard his name before. So in the finish week, a wonderful thing happened. These three girls made a decision for Christ. You know, it's so important that we, we do what God tells us to do. And I hope you all have a, a story to tell. Make room. What a challenge. What a challenge. See, God hadn't finished with Ken. He's um, going to influence many more people. Do you want to do great things for God? If so, I feel we need to do two things. Second Chronicles 7 to 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. See, this region needs us to be living sacrifices. This region, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit, needs us to take a step of faith and get serious with God. Now, I went wicked ways. You know, I make mistakes. I've got some sin that I struggle with, but I wouldn't call myself wicked. I thought, wicked, what's that? You know what wicked is to God? Mother Teresa, who who, sat, who gave her life, 90-odd years of her life, to the poorest in Calcutta, was asked one day, do you think you've done enough to get to heaven? Do you think you've earned your way to heaven? And she said, my acts of righteousness are like filthy rags to the holiness of God. See, my wicked ways can be, I'm too busy. Um, I'm too tired. I'm disobedient. I've got some apathy. See, that's wicked in the, in the eyes of God. See, Jesus died on a cross so that you'd get to heaven, so that I'd get to heaven. So the least we can do is actually be a living sacrifice. I, don't, I think he's over part-time Christians. I think he's wanting to shake the church up and go, where are those people I'm searching? My eyes are searching from heaven looking for those that are fully committed to me. Repent 
turn away from. Thank you. Are yours or mine? Thank you. The second one thing we need to do is change the way we pray. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I'll take care of everything else. I mean, if we're honest, we pray 90% about our own needs. And we are, we need to pray for the, oh Lord, pour out your spirit and you know, save people. That's 10%. I think if we switch that around and cry out for the things that break God's heart, and it says in the word of God, my heart is that none shall perish. But unless we get a broken heart for the things of God, we get consumed by this, this world. See, the Bible says that the prince of this world is Satan. We have to be radically different. We can't just get our act together and be a little bit more, have a slightly better values and morals than the non-believers. Jesus wants us to be living sacrifices. He wants us to be radically in love with him so he can transform our hearts and use us to advance the kingdom of God. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what the Lord has in store for those that love him. That's on heaven as well. I'm going to invite Andrew to come up and share his vision how God took him to heaven and I know it's going to bless you guys it's changed Andrew's life hi <laughs> I, um, so it was on the, uh, the 3rd of April uh, and that weekend we were doing a uh, 24 hours of uh, prayer and fasting and I took up the hour of uh, on um, between five and six on Sunday morning, and um, and we had a uh, things that we had to, were going through, you know, uh, Thanksgiving and seeking His face and praying for revival and salvations and and just uh, finishing off with Thanksgiving. And uh, I looked at my watch and it was twenty minutes. I thought of. Um, that was quick. I've still got 40 minutes to go. <laughs> so, um, and I was just uh, dwelling and uh, on the understanding of spirit and truth for the desire to, become, uh, to come before the throne room in the spirit, literally. And while I was sitting there in my mind's eye, I was transported to what seemed to be an outer court leading to the throne room. And I was aware of others around me who were, who were receiving the similar experiences at the time. And with that unwavering focus to enter the, the throne room, the outer court was not a room, it was a place where the access was similar to uh, like entering into a stadium, although it was more like a tunnel-like leading into what can only be described as a, a galaxy room, a dimension filled and overflowing with order, yet chaos. A magnificent, uh, so magnificent, I cannot describe, there was just so much happening, just so much happening. There was praise and worship in hundred part harmony. 
of thousands upon thousands of angels and living creatures, elders and those who are living before us and those like myself who are on the earth praying. The sound of praise was so, uh, the sound of praise was overwhelming. The praise was like a sound of a waterfall of sweet praise. The essence of the throne room was fresh. It was pure. It was heavenly. Joy and peace and love in the form of light that you can touch, feel, smell, hear and see. God the Father was there in the midst and I was personally welcome as I entered by Father God. It was like for an instance I was in a room with him but I was not. Such is the ability to communicate in the spirit. I notice other people in our prayer group uh, together were also very excited and in awe of what was happening displayed, that was displayed around us. The presence of God was so powerful that even the air ex- him itself was struggling to contain him. There was excitement unfolding in what seemed to be the left-hand side of this galaxy room. The elders were casting their crowns to create a path, a street, and even Father God was excited before Jesus. And that's because Jesus walked into the room. Oh, the sound. The sound was awesome, glorious. The applause and shouts of praise and joy was something that I can, you cannot duplicate on this earth. Jesus was there in all his glory. With what seems to be white uh, waves of light emitting like rolling waves of pulsing from him, pulses of joy, pulses of love and peace, I reached out my hand to touch these waves of light. And I seemed to absorb this pure light. Every cell in my body was craving for it. I found myself soaking in it. It was like time could be manipulated in all dimensions because Jesus was ministering to us all, but individually. Everybody was given one one time with Jesus. Jesus stood before me. And he, uh, he looked in deep into my eyes and my, into my soul. That love was so strong, I had to look down. The guilt and the shame was just too much. I felt his outstretched hand lift my head to gaze on him. He is love. He is joy. He is peace. He is everything. He is the Son of God. My eyes were transfixed on Jesus' face. He smiled at me. Revelations 5.11 just amplifies that. Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne, living creatures and elders, and the numbers of them were 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands upon thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth 
and such as uh, us that are on in the sea and all that is in them I heard saying blessing and honour and glory and power to him that sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said Amen and the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. I looked at my watch and an hour had gone by. And, uh, and as you can see, I still struggle talking about it even after two months. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Sue Ann felt she had something to, to share. You know, our God is an amazing God and I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Back in 2004, I made some really dumb decisions. I decided I'd given up on God finding me a partner. I'd been single for 10 years. I'll do it my way. 2005, I'm engaged to what you would picture in the, the movies as the southern gentleman from America. And I knew it wasn't right, but I fought and I fought and I fought that was going to be the man I was going to marry. I came back to Australia to pack my life up and to move to the States and on the way to church, I had an argument with God in which I very stupidly said, God, don't make me choose because you will lose. He took everything from me. By the end of the year, I was a complete wreck. I was at the stage where I wanted to die. And believe it or not, Ignite Life Church through Joe, got on the phone when I rang her and said, if something doesn't happen, I'm killing myself tonight. And she had the likes of Libby and whatnot, who didn't even know who I was. I had the opposite. That night, I collapsed on my bed for three days. I could not tell you whether it was day or night. I was in darkness. I was screaming in pain. And I was fighting and fighting. And on the third day, I heard this voice say, this is just a fraction of hell that I went through so you never have to. And at that point, I just said, God, I can't do it. You have to. And it turned to daylight. And I, I, I was like... It was still a battle. But just as God told these wonderful gentlemen, this is your future, there is a very real alternative that God showed me and I had to choose. So I just say to you, if you're sitting on the fence, just as heaven is real... So is hell. And I can tell you that fraction I went through for three days 
wouldn't wish that on anybody. So please speak to someone, pray with someone. Don't make the wrong choice. Thanks, Sue Um God's on the move. He wants your heart. This requires a response, church. What are you prepared to give up in your life, your lifestyle to get more of God? As we prepare our hearts for, I might get Karen yeah, and um, Boyd to come back. As we prepare our hearts, I want to remind you of a tragic accident that happened in Cobram, Strathmerton about six weeks ago. Does everyone remember it? Five people died. Five people died. They worked at the factory with the Solomon Islanders. They were involved there. Um, so it was significant for our church community. These five people were, through no fault of their own, just driving along the Murray Valley Highway. A car with two people full of marijuana or drugs of some sort, I can't remember the details, ran into them, knocked them into a huge semi-trailer and they were killed instantly, the five of them. Tragedy. One of the ladies used to go to Cobram Church at Ignite Life Church Cobram home. I didn't know her. Some, some people did. Another lady was a Taiwanese lady. Apparently she was a Christian. The other three, I don't know. The point being that we don't know how long we've gone on this earth. We need to live each day Jesus Christ the lady that did go to church also she hadn't spoken to her daughter for five years, her daughter came up and shared that, what a tragedy what a tragedy the word of God says to love your God with all your heart mind, soul and strength and to love others like you love yourself we need to put ourselves right with the people around us that we care about and that we love. We need to humble ourselves and we need to put ourselves right with God. So we're going to have a chance for people to respond. If you feel the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today, you may want to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You may want to go deeper and say, Jesus, I want to be a living sacrifice for you. Today is your opportunity. It's an invitation from God to say, I want, I want to partner with you to reach a broken and lost world. The guys are going to sing. We're going to open the altar. Come forward and we'll have people to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus.